Father God, it is such a great reminder as we sing what a great foundation we have in Christ Jesus. That we have the foundation of your word. And that the enemy and Prince of the power of the air would want to shake us. We can remember that you will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray now as we would open your word to hear it preached. Father, that we would have humble hearts. I, as I preach, would have a humble heart. Father, and all those who listen would have humble hearts. Bowed down before you and your revelation to us in your holy word. For all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Grace Fellowship Church. Uh, I want to uh, address a matter that's of of concern to me as one of your pastors. Uh, it, it might not apply directly to you. I was talking to Kathleen this morning about things we teach in pre-sermons. I mean, uh, it, it applies to us because it's it's God's Word and it applies to us because we're all part of this local assembly. So, um, I know God will be faithful to us in dealing with the issue that I want to talk about. There are, there are some, some quarrels amongst us at, J, at Grace Fellowship Church, and I don't want to overstate that, and I don't want to understate that. I don't want to overstate that and, and get people too um, concerned or worried about that, but I do not want to understate it either. There are, there are disagreements and quarrels that come up from time to time, and there are quarrels amongst us even now. And and I'm, I'm, I'm resolved to deal with this issue biblically and to eradicate it, Lord willing, and by the grace of God. Some Proverbs that talk about quarreling. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 3. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. Fools quarrel. Honorable men keep away from disputes. Proverbs seventeen fourteen, The beginning of strife is like letting out water, so quit before the quarrel breaks out. Don't open the faucet of contention, or else you will distribute or di- to, you will you will allow a flood of quarrel to come out. Proverbs twenty six seventeen. And if you see others quarreling, I'm sorry. Whoever meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. If you see others quarreling, don't meddle. You might want to help bring reconciliation, but don't meddle in the quarrel. It's like grabbing two fighting dogs, passing dogs. It's like like grabbing a wild dog by the ears. Proverbs 
I, I want I want us to be humble enough to consider are we quarreling? Are we beginning to have something building up in us that could cause a quarrel? Well, I want us to be warned that fools quarrel and, and honorable men keep far from disputes. If this is you right now, please listen. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, it says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I, Paul says, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. You've been called to be a follower of Christ. That Christ would dwell in you. Richly. Here's how you're to walk worthy with all humility. The word there, tepanofosune, it means lowliness of mind, having a humble opinion of oneself. The quarreling that I'm part of or the quarreling that I see has much high opinion of oneself involved in it. So, with all humility and gentleness, priutes, that's power under control. We've looked at that word before. A mildness of disposition, a gentleness of spirit. Gentleness. With patience. Macrothumia a state of emotional calm in the face of provocation without complaint or irritation. So even if provoked, a state of calm. Bearing with one another. To sustain, to bear, to endure. Enduring with one another in Agape, in love. Enduring with one another in love. Eager. Eager. Spauduce, to do something with intense effort and motivation. With intense effort and great motivation, eager to maintain, to cause to continue the unity, the state of oneness, of the Spirit in the bond, sundemas, binding tools that tie something together of peace, Irene, peace, harmony. Be humble and gentle and calm. And bear with one another in love. 
and give intense effort to maintain oneness of the Spirit. Staying tied together in peace. Again, I don't want to overstate this and I don't want to understate this. But but I need you to hear, I need us to hear, there are quarrels amongst us. And this is how we will act. By the grace of God to the glory of God. We will we will walk worthy of the calling which we've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey. Patho. Be persuaded by. Trust. In. Have confidence in your leaders. And submit. Hupeko. Resist no longer. Yield to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. This is my exhortation to you. This is my my instruction to us all. That we would not be fools quarreling. That we would stop the strife and not let it flow into an all-out quarrel. And that we would do so at the, at the model of Ephesians 4, at Philippians 2. We do so in the manner that God has told us to. This is... This, this is can become quite a large problem if the dam is allowed to break. How will you bear with one another if you don't sit with one another with whom you might be quarreling? How will you strive for unity by grumbling and complaining in your own heart and maybe even to others? and not directly dealing with the people that you're at odds with. I am pleading with you. I am instructing you, and I am asking you to be obedient and submit to what's been told to you from the Word of God by the man, one of the men who stands before God to give account for our shepherds, your souls, and do and let that happen for me and for your elders with joy and not with grief. Because it's difficult to watch the brethren quarrel. And we all we all tend to want to stand in the place we are and say, look, I'm not quarreling. I'm just right. There's not a lot of humility in that kind of a way of thinking and being and acting. Let's, let's love one another in this way. Let's strive for unity. Let's have humility. Let's bear with one another. Let's be calm. 
let's interact and engage and 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 work hard to keep that that tying together in peace amen okay let's turn our bibles to luke chapter 10 luke chapter 10 uh, last week we saw jesus was was explaining the cost of following him that salvation while it's a free gift the following jesus will cost much does cost much it costs things like earthly comfort and temporal focus going away and, and even costs close relationships sometimes but the path is a narrow path and few find it this week we're going to see jesus sending laborers into his harvest and I think this is a really important passage and one we all know, and I think it's something that uh, that, that, that we ought listen to well and and be be informed by. So please stand, and I will read Luke chapter ten, verses one through four. After this, the Lord appointed seventy-two others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. You may be seated. Jesus has his face set towards Jerusalem, as we know. He knows that that soon he will ascend back to glory, but first he must suffer the cross of Calvary. He's just refused, he's just been refused hospitality by the Samaritans. And so now he's going to head down through Perea and Judea. This is what many would call his Perean and Judean ministry as he's headed towards Jerusalem. He's spent the past year or so in Galilee preaching the kingdom of God, healing, and creating a huge following. He just turned away three would-be followers of his by explaining the true costs of being a Christian. So after this, verse 10, after this, after these things, after this Galilean ministry, after after the, the culmination at the Mount of Transfiguration and the rejection of easy believism we just looked at, having been rejected by the Samaritans, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Jesus appoints 70, parenthetically two, question mark, others. So the reason that I have two in parentheses and a question mark is that um, about half of the manuscripts have 70, and about half of them have 72. Uh, And so you'll see different translations have different numbers placed in there. The ESV has 72, and I I think it gets it wrong, although it's not a a major thing that needs to have a lot of discussion. Uh, 70 would seem to make more sense uh, for a number of reasons. Seven, the number of perfection, ten times over, and, and you have... 70 elders appointed by Moses. You have 70 sons of Gideon and Ahab. 70 is a more biblically perfect number or, or number. So whether it's 70 or 72, again, it's nothing to, to... It doesn't change anything about the Word of God. I would 
favor 70, so that's how I will interact with it as we go forward. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others, appointed, anadikinume, to proclaim anyone as elected to office, to announce as appointed a king, general, etc., to lift up on high and exhibit it for all to behold. So what's clear here is Jesus appointed these 70. Jesus appointed these 70. These 70 didn't appoint themselves, uh, nor was there a, 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 a group conversation or election of these representatives. Jesus appointed these 70. Just as he appointed the apostles back in Luke 6, 13, and when day came, after he was all night up on the mountain, knowing that his his ministry was coming to a close, knowing that, that he needed to get, he wanted, desired to get the, the gospel message out there more broadly, knew he would need help after he was crucified and ascended, he was appointing 12 apostles. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. And then uh, he sent out the 12 out into Galilee and, and having that message go forth. Luke 9, 1, and he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. So after he had, he had, they had traveled with them a while, he then took those 12, he appointed them, he gave them some power, and he sent them out. Uh, then here he sends out 70 more disciples uh, into Perea before him uh, to herald his coming. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. He sent them two by two. I think uh, this is is an important consideration for us. Something that we elders consider when sending Brother Tony out. Jesus sent them out two by two. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. A man who would be alone would would not have the help of another. He'd have more strength and courage and protection if it was two by two. This pattern of two by two we see throughout the book of Acts. Acts 13, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Two, for the work of to which I have called them. Two, uh, now there were others that went with, but the two we see were Barnabas and Saul. Uh, when when the Jerusalem Council had made its decision concerning the Gentile ministry to the Gentiles, they sent the letter to Antioch with two men. Uh, Acts 15, We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. Paul's second missionary journey. There was a, rose a sharp disagreement, so they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed. And he commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Before Paul entered into Macedonia, he sent two men ahead of him to prepare the way, Acts 19. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. So this two-by-two pattern, I think it's an important thing to consider. Now, we send Brother Tony out locally. He often is out by himself. Not most preferable, but he's local. When we send him out anywhere, when we've sent him out anywhere away from here, I can't remember a time, but almost every time 
we want someone to go with him or meet him where he is from another church in that area. Uh, not to be sent out on his own. So um, there's strength in numbers. And I think we can remember that. We can even remember that in this local assembly, knowing Brother Tony's out on the streets. Uh, if he's most probably alone, go out there and be with him, and then there's two of us. So, back to this text. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. He appointed these 70 other disciples, go ahead of him and be his herald. To just like like the twelve, he was they were going to go proclaim the kingdom of God and heal. We're going to see that uh, in a little while in, in the coming weeks. But he instructs them that there is a plentiful harvest and few laborers. He said to them, "The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is coming, and there aren't many workers working for me." There's a harvest and not a lot of workers. And, you know, the word picture would be, hey, it's time to harvest and we don't have enough farmhands. We need some more farmhands because the crops are going to come up. They need to be harvested. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his, har- into his harvest. There needs to be more workers. Pray that God would send out more laborers into his harvest. Now, earlier, similarly, Jesus had sent out the twelve apostles. In, and it's written about in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. So Jesus, he'd been, he'd been teaching the word of God. He'd been teaching from the scriptures. He'd been proclaiming the kingdom of God. He'd been calling sinners to repentance and faith, and then he was healing to affirm that message. That attracted a big crowd. Verse 36 of Matthew 9. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So when Jesus was seeing this big group of folks following him. Thousands of people were following him. And he would look out and he would see, he would have compassion on them. Because because they were harassed and they were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion. The word, we've looked at this before, but splotnisomai. Splotnisomai. It, it, it has to do with the bowels. Splotna. That means the bowels or the intestines. Because for the Jews, the, the seat of, of, um, of emotion was the bowels. So, so he, was, he was moved with compassion. In him was a, a, a urgency or a sorrow or a concern for the thousands of people who were without hope and without help and had no shepherd. They were Jews who were being led by these rabbis falsely into a, a religion that couldn't save them. And Jesus had this, this inner turmoil, this, this, this concern because, because of all of these lost souls, all of these lost sheep. 
Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Why was Jesus so compassionate? Why did he have this this, this seat of, of love and pity? Why was it so... Why was he so upset, so compassionate for these thousands of souls? Because the harvest was plentiful. And these people were hopeless and helpless. Like a sheep without a shepherd. And and this harvest, this harvest was coming. And in order to know why Jesus was so compassionate and so moved and so concerned, we need to understand the harvest. The harvest, Matthew 13, 30. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. The harvest was judgment. It was judgment time. Time when the reapers were going to come and he was going. they were going to set apart the the chaff from the wheat. They were going to get the weeds and they were going to bind them in bundles to be burned. Down to verse 37 of Matthew 13. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And, on the, and, on, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace, in that place where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The harvest is plentiful, He says. Pray that there be more laborers because the harvest is plentiful. There are so many of these people that will be thrown into hell. This caused Jesus this great inner struggle, this compassion, this spontanisoma. The harvest is coming, Revelation 14, 14. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the, from the altar, the angel who has authority over the fire. And he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sharp sickle, Put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. So at the harvest, the first sickle collects God's people, and the next angel comes and collects all of those that were going to be crushed by the wrath of God in the winepress of God. This is the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of folks out there going to hell. Second Corinthians 5.11, Paul says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. 
Look, it's a fearful thing to hand, fall into the hands of the living God. It is a fearful thing to think about the harvest when, 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 when it's too late. So we persuade others. Second Thessalonians 1, seven, And to grant relief to those who are afflicted as well to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those, those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. The harvest is plentiful. There are many people headed to hell to eternal torment, to the winepress of the wrath of God to be crushed forever and ever. Pray that the more workers would, more laborers would go into His harvest. When we, when we go to Kenya, I've told many of this before, it happens here too, but it happens for some reason to be more in Kenya. I'll be dry, because I'm in a place I don't know as well, and there's, there's masses and masses and masses of human beings with souls that will never die, created in the image of God, and I'm driving by them, I'm, I'm thinking, how many of them are headed to hell? <laughs> the harvest is, is plentiful. I look out here today, how many of you have yet to believe on Christ? And the, the wide press of the wrath of God is going to press down upon you when that day comes. My gut aches. Paul said, if, if, if you could take my salvation for the salvation of my brethren, I'd give it. Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful. Judgment is coming. There's thousands of people I'm looking at. They're hopeless and they're helpless. A lot of them are going to church. A lot of them are being led astray by false rabbis, false teachers. So what are we to do? Well, here's what he told them. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. The first thing to do is pray earnestly for more workers pray for laborers pray that God would send those with the compassion of Christ to go pray because only God can send more laborers only God can save and only God can send pray earnestly Pray that more people would go to proclaim the truth of God, of sin, of punishment, of repentance, of the forgiveness of sins to be found in and through Jesus Christ. Pray for more laborers to go and preach hope. The hope of Christ. Pray. Are you praying for more laborers? We must pray. Because only God can do that. Pray. Pray. And then be the answer to prayer. Pray. He, 
What are we to do? You're going to see it right here. We're to pray, and then we're to be the answer to prayer. That very prayer about the laborers. He says, go out amongst the wolves. He tells those 70, he tells them, you're going to go out by two by two. You're going to, because the, the, har- the, the harvest is plentiful, pray and then go. Go. Go your way. Hipago. Hupago. It means to move along. Depart. Go. Leave. He calls the 70 together. He tells them the harvest is plentiful. He tells them to pray for more laborers. And then he says, get out of here and go. Go and be a laborer in the field. Go into my harvest. Go. Leave. Behold. Well, Isaiah 6, 8. Isaiah has an encounter with Christ Jesus. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Go your way. Behold. That's that marker we've looked at before. I do. It, it, it is a marker of strong emphasis. It, it, it's indicating a, 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 a validation of what's about to be said. Hey, listen up. What I'm about to say is important. Go your way. Behold. I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. What I'm about to tell you is kind of a big deal. You're going to go, and you're going to go out as lambs amongst wolves. He doesn't then say, yeah, so you know, if you really don't want to, if you're a little too afraid, stay back. He simply says, go, behold, I am sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. This is going to be really difficult, he says. There's wolves out there who want to harm you and devour you. They'll hate you. They want to eat you. They want to kill you. They want to harm you. But I'm sending you out. You have no option but to go, he's telling these 70. You have no option but to go. It's a, it's a command from King Jesus. He was sending them. He would be with them. He would empower them. He does empower them. Now go. And behold, I'm going to send you out as lambs amongst wolves. You're going to go out there and I need you to know that you're going to be attacked and maybe killed. But go. 
See, because the harvest is plentiful. There are souls that are headed to eternity in hell, burning, squished by the wrath of God's winepress like a grape. If you could see a grape be squished, they, they just squish the juice out of them. That's what the winepress of God is going to do to those souls that don't know Christ, that haven't been born again to a living hope. I'm sending you out. Go as lambs amongst the wolves. There's nothing easy about this, 70. There's nothing simple about this. You know those three that just had come earlier? Disciples that you heard want to follow me and I told them what it would cost them and they went away? You see, it's it's not easy. But go. You know why you're going to go? Because the harvest is plentiful. The only way, the only way these people in here won't be under the wrath of God is for them to believe on Jesus Christ. And all, whatever the number is, hundreds of thousands of people I've driven by in Kenya. There are souls, there are people, they're everywhere. And there's so few who know Jesus. And there's so few people telling them, pray, pray earnestly to God for more laborers to go into his harvest and then be the answer to that prayer. Go. Judgment's coming. Matthew 10. Jesus used a few more words when he's describing this. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Be wise like a serpent. They're very shrewd. They're very cunning. They're very adept at self-preservation, especially keeping their heads intact. Be like that. Be very careful. Be wise. Be cunning. Don't put yourself into unnecessary, dangerous situations. Don't try to just go have your head chopped off. You be wise as a serpent. You be careful. You be shrewd. But you go. And as innocent as doves. No wicked or cunning craftiness. No no malice, no wrath. No vengeance, no seeking revenge. No hatred. Live harmlessly. You see, the harvest is plentiful. Now Go, pray, and now go. And as you go, be shrewd and cunning and wise and careful and harmless and loving and peaceful. But go, 
go like that, knowing what's out there for you are a bunch of wolves who will hate you. Go. Behold, I'm sending you out of sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Go. Go. And trust God for provision and stay focused on the task at hand. Verse 3. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag. Don't, don't take any money with you. Don't, 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 don't concern yourself with earthly security. God will provide. Take no money bags. Take no knapsack. No bag for your personal belongings, for your food or your supplies. Rely on God's position. No, no sandals. No, no extra shoes. The pair of shoes you got, go. Go as you are. Don't take extra shoes with you. Look, it's not a vow of poverty. He's saying, listen, there's folks out there headed to hell. We need to go. We need to not be tied down by all these earthly things that we concern ourselves with all the time. So don't take those things with you, 70. Don't don't concern yourself. And then he says, and greet no one on the road. That sounds kind of rude, doesn't it? There's nothing rude about it. Jesus Christ himself said it. Greet no one on the road. See, Eastern salutations, they took and they take a long time. Lots of, lots of verbal pleasantries that go back and forth. Lots of kissing each other's hands and bowing to one another. And, you know, hand slaps and jives and pumps. I don't know, whatever. Lots. Lots of that. Lots of small talk in an Eastern greeting. None of that, he says. There's, nobody has time for that. There's no time for that. No time for small talk and pleasantries. People need to hear of Jesus far more than they need to talk about the weather or politics or the Celtics, certainly the Brewers. They need, they need more time. They, they don't need time to talk about that. They need to hear of Jesus. And you, you, you've been called to go, 70, and you're going to go. You're not even going to greet anyone on the road. That's how urgent this mission is. The king's business requires haste. Needless courtesies are not important. Friendship is not necessary to begin evangelism. Travel lightly and go quickly. There's an example in 2 Kings chapter 4 that I want us to look at. One day, Elisha, Elisha the prophet who 
took over Elijah's ministry, went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold, now I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. So this woman, this, this Shumanite woman, she, she's Shunamite woman, she's showing great hospitality to Elijah. She's feeding him, and now she's going to build a little addition on the house for him to stay when he's passing by. Verse 11, one day he came there, uh, Elisha, and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, Elisha to Gehazi, say to her, see, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is it? What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? You've been so good to us. To my master and me, what can we do for you? Would you like to come with us? Would you like our protection? She answered, I will dwell among my own people. I'll stay here. I need I need nothing, she says. And he, Elijah, said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son, and her husband is old. He said, call her. When he had called her, She stood in the doorway, and he, Elisha, said, At this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. There's no way. That would be too good to be true. Don't make me a promise you can't keep. He said, Nope, you're going to have one. But Verse 17, But the, the woman conceived, and she bore a son about that time the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. So she had a son, a great blessing for this old woman with the old man something she never thought she would have. She'd been buried, and now she has a son. Verse 18, when the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. He went out with his dad into where the reapers were reaping the field, and one of them hit him in the head with their sickle. My head, my head. carry him to his mother and when he had lifted when he had lifted him up and brought him to his mother the child sat on her lap till noon and then he died so this woman who had such great hospitality to Elisha he had promised from God that there would be a son he had a she had a son the son grows up he's out in the field with dad he gets hit in the head and he dies and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God put him up in Elisha's room and shut the door behind him and went out called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys and I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he, her husband, said, why why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. She said, all is well. And she saddled the donkey and she said to her servant, urge the animal on. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came out, came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When Elisha, the man of God, saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, look, there is the Shunammite. Run at once to her and say to her, Is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? So Elijah's concerned because she's coming and she's panicked and he's, he wants Gehazi to go out and say, well, Find out what's wrong with her. And she answered all as well. She didn't want to talk to Gehazi. She wanted to see Elijah. So she says, All is well. 
And when she came to the mountain to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet. So she grabs his feet, and Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God, Elijah, said, Leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. I don't know what's going on. I didn't know what's going on. Then she said, Did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say you do not deceive me? The son that you promised me, I said don't deceive me. Then I have a son, and then he's dead. So he, Elisha, said to Gehazi, Tie up your garment, take my staff in your hand, and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not reply. And lay my staff on the face of the child. <laughs> this child is dead. <clears throat> what I'm saying you do is far more important than your, 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 your pleasantries. Talk to no one and don't be talked to. If people talk to you, you got to go. The mission you're on, Gehazi, is far more important than the pleasantries that you would normally have along the road. Then the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. So now Elisha goes with. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound or sign of life. Therefore he returned to meet him and told him the child was not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying on his bed. So he went and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Prayed to Yahweh. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself upon him. The flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Then he summoned Gehazi, said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she came to him, he said, Pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked her son and went out. Gehazi rushed ahead to prepare the boy. He couldn't give him life, but Elisha came to give him life. Gehazi had gone before him. This urgent business greet no one. He had prepared the way for Elijah who then came and the boy was healed. Now we have a matter of great importance. We have the harvest is plentiful. There's not enough workers. Pray and go. Don't take all these earthly things with you. Don't worry about these earthly things. And do not stop and talk and do a bunch of pleasantries. There's something far more important these people need to hear than how is your grandma? Or how do you how do you make a good souffle? It is you need Jesus. Y'all talk about souffles all you want because y'all have Jesus. But out there, this is not a call to be rude. You're gonna be as harmless as a dove. But we're about the business of the king. And the business of the king has nothing to do with this earth. It has everything to do with eternity. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him. You go be my heralds. You go tell people the Messiah is coming. You go preach the kingdom of God. You're going to have some power to heal to affirm your message. Now you go. 
And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Judgment is coming. The end of the age is coming. Death will come to them all. Most of them are headed to hell. Pray for more laborers. And now, go be laborers. Go away. Leave. Go. Listen. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. I'm sending you out into a very hostile territory into a hostile people who won't want to listen like Isaiah experienced. Who are going to want you dead. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. I've got this splagnisomai concerning all of the souls that are going to perish. Go and tell them of me, Jesus says. Prepare them for my salvation. Time is of the essence. The harvest is at hand. They need the gospel. Go. Hurry. Be careful. Be harmless. Worry not about earthly comfort. God will provide. No time for pleasantries. They need to hear of the Messiah. Don't waste precious time. Don't don't waste precious time. This is a big, big deal. Go to work. Closing thought. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We don't have the luxury, brothers and sisters, of not being co-laborers as Christians. Tony will do it and Matt will do it. And Pastor talks to a lot of people. You know, Jason's pretty good at work. And, you know, they got it handled. People, people are perishing. And the white bad press of God is going to crush them for all eternity if they don't come to know Christ. Beloved, let's pray for workers and then be the answer to our prayers as we go out amongst the wolves and staying focused on the task at hand with an eye on eternity, we tell all people of Jesus. Pray for workers and go to work. And stop focusing so much on the things of this world and consider the souls that are around you everywhere. <laughs> Do this next time you drive somewhere. Again, Kenya's different. They walk everywhere. But just look around. Look at every car that passes you. Go, go to a sporting event and look through the stands. And, and pray to God, God would give us all splendid that our burden would be so strong, that our focus would be so on point that we couldn't help but tell people of Jesus. 
as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. Father, we thank you. Father, I thank you that in my life there were men that were going to work. And they told me, they told me of my predicament. Father, give us a growing compassion for lost souls. Help us to have the compassion of Christ Jesus. Help us to understand what it means to go with purpose. Father, help us to know, help us to understand and believe that the things that we are so attached to, the things, our money bags and our knapsacks and our our shoes. Father, in our, our pleasantries with the unbelievers in our lives, may they not keep us for the most important thing we have, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, whose name we pray. Amen. Stand and sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. It's on, on your handout. We don't have time to quarrel, by the way. We don't have time to quarrel. There's people dying. There's no time for it. Turn your